John chapter 12, in your Bibles there. And uh, as I was preparing for this message, um, Palm Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, were on my mind, and I was just reading through um, John, and there's so much between John chapter 11, 12, 13, 14, there's so much, and there's so many details and so many messages that you could just parse out, you know, verse by verse, you could just be preaching forever. Um, But there was one thing that kind of stuck out to me, and it's in verse number 10 and 11. Um, Verse number one, it's telling us, kind of setting the scene for, for what's going on. It's talking about Jesus six days before the Passover coming to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. And then in verse 10 and 11, it says, But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. Because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. And this narrative, as we kind of celebrate, you know, Palm Sunday, we'll see that the Lazarus resurrecting from the dead comes just before this in chapter 11. And then him being alive and around and and meeting with Jesus and, and eating with Jesus and everyone's like, this is the guy. He was dead. And he was just a living, a literal living testimony of the resurrection power that Jesus had. And day by day, as Lazarus walked around and people said, isn't that, isn't that Lazarus? He was dead for four days, right? He's the guy that they unwrapped. And day by day, you could just see the Pharisees just getting more and more angry. Like, we can't allow this guy to, to be around. And they consulted that they would put Lazarus also to death. Um, so I want to look at a couple of verses here in chapter 11 and chapter 12. As we look forward to the resurrection, we want to look back at how, how this narrative of Lazarus being resurrected from the, from the dead had a role in Palm Sunday and then eventually um, the death and then resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's pray and then we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and your truth that is so rich and is so telling and, and it gives us so many different perspectives and so many different people and so many different thoughts um, that we get to really glean so many different types of truth. And, and it's, it's amazing that we can read and learn day by day, year by year, and continue to get new things out of it. This is a living word. This is, a, this is the Bible that stands forever. Though everything else tumbles and falls and crumbles and, and gets old and tired and fails, um, the Bible is still true and it's so powerful. So, Father, I pray that you would speak to us tonight. I pray that your words would be speaking to our hearts and minds as we read them, as we ponder them, as we think back on the times just before your death, as Lazarus was walking about, as you were walking about proclaiming truth and showing your power to the world. Father, I pray that you would help us to get a glimpse of it tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Titled this message, A Resurrection Prelude. Point number one, a reminder of God's power. A reminder of God's power. And in this is Lazarus himself. Lazarus himself was a reminder, a daily reminder, not only to Martha and Mary, his dear family, but to the Pharisees that were against him, but also to the other Jews that were just around. He was a daily living reminder of God's power. And I want to go back 
and see some of the different things about Jesus and his power that that goes beyond comprehension. And number one, and the first one is Jesus's care for Lazarus. Jesus's care for Lazarus. And if you go back to chapter 11 and look at verses 34 and 36, this is after Jesus finds out that Lazarus was dead. And in verse 34, it says, and he said, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, behold, how he loved him. The power of God is the power of love. It's the power that cares. It's a power that is that is touched by our infirmities. That's who Jesus was. It's amazing. Every time you see that verse 35, Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible, but so powerful. The fact that Jesus, the very son of God, cared enough. He knew he was going to resurrect Lazarus, but he still wept. He still felt for the family. He still felt for the people that loved Lazarus. And he still felt for Lazarus himself. And to just to think about the God of the universe having a tear in his eye for another human being. It should blow our minds. But Jesus doesn't just care for Lazarus. He cares for everybody. And he loves us all with that same love. It's a powerful reminder of God's love. The fact that Lazarus was out and about reminded everybody how much that Jesus cared about Lazarus, but also about everybody else. Jesus's care for Lazarus was a reminder of God's power. But not only that, just the fact that Jesus was able to resurrect him from the grave. That is power beyond comprehension. He's dead for four days and they're wondering, they're saying, what? What's going on here? But Jesus, through discussion and through, through teaching, he reminds them who he is. In chapter 11, look at verse number 21. Martha. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not, been, had not died. She knew that he had the power of life. Right? If you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. 22, but I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. Not only could I have saved him, she said, I am the resurrection. I can bring him back. I can bring him back. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Powerful truth. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, yea, Lord. I believe that thou art the Christ, the son of God, which should come into the world, right? And then we jump down to verse 38 through, 34, through 44. Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, coming to the grave, a reminder of Jesus's care for Lazarus. He's groaning as he's coming to the grave, knowing the sorrow and the mourning that he had. He was still groaning. The Bible tells us that it was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. 
for he hath been dead four days. Verse 41, we'll jump down. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it again. He's caring about the people. He's thinking about these other people. He's saying, I'm saying this just as a reminder to them that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, loose him and let him go. The resurrection power. The moment in time when Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth and life is restored. Lazarus jumping out of the grave, probably he definitely couldn't believe it. What? <laughs> I'm dead and now I'm alive. And I can't see because I got grave clothes wrapped around me. What is this? But he knew exactly who called him forth. He knew it was Jesus. You can't, I can't even imagine the, the feeling that Lazarus had to hear Jesus' voice saying, Lazarus, come forth. Except there was one day when I asked Jesus to save me. And I had that very same feeling. My life was resurrected. Though I was dead, yet now I live. Because one day the Holy Spirit of God said, Kevin, we said Dewan at that time, because when I was younger, I always went by Dewan. No one knew me as Kevin. He said, Dewan, come forth. And man, I got saved just like that resurrection power. The power of God is to restore and to resurrect and to bring life to that which was dead. And that was the constant reminder every time someone saw Lazarus. That guy was dead. He was stinking in the grave for four days. He was dead. And here he is. Did you see him? He's walking. Is he, how's he feeling? Is he healthy? What, what, what's his condition? How's he doing? No, he was alive. He was resurrected. And day by day, that powerful resurrection testimony was just emanating out of Lazarus. And I'm sure he was telling people. I'm sure he was smiling and rejoicing to be back with his family and to see Jesus and to see all the people that thought he was dead and say, hey, I'm alive. I'm, it's me. It's the same person. I am Lazarus. Powerful testimony, powerful reminder of God's power. And then I love I love in uh, in chapter 12. Verses one, uh, one and two, it shows Jesus just, just kind of just going through life, just having, having supper, going to the, the normal Passover celebrations, Passover feasts like he had always done. And it says, there they made him a supper and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Just going on, going on with life. Just resurrected from the dead, but now getting to live daily with Jesus. Here's Jesus, the, 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 the Christ, the Messiah, the resurrection and the life, whose voice said, come forth. And now I'm eating a meal with him. It's, 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 it's amazing. 
It's amazing that we have that same opportunity to spend time with Jesus in our daily life. Supper time, work time, prayer time, any time. We get to live our life with Jesus if we choose to. And that was Lazarus. Just going on, living his life, having a supper with the resurrection and the life. Daily reminder of God's power was Lazarus. And as Christians, we can be that same reminder to the world by living a resurrected life to showing people that, yeah, we're not dead. We're not spiritually dead. We have life. And we have life through, our, through his son, through God's son, we have life. We know that. Our life is not our own. It's hid in Christ. And as other people see that, they see the power of God. God is glorified when they see our resurrected life. It's an amazing thing. But it also uh, can draw some attention of the, of the naysayers, of the enemies of God, right? And that's why a lot of times as Christians, we don't necessarily want to show that, that side of our life. We don't live in that resurrection power because we're afraid of those that may find out. Because Jesus had some enemies and he still has some enemies. And those that claim the name of Jesus are promised to have enemies as well. But we don't have to be, we don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be afraid of that. Lazarus surely wasn't. Jesus surely wasn't. They warned Jesus when he went to go to, uh, they warned Jesus when he went to go save Lazarus. They said, you shouldn't go down there. The Jews are already looking for you before he resurrected Lazarus. They said, don't go down to Jerusalem. He said, I'm going. And then the disciples said, all right, we're going to go to our deaths as well. Because <laughs> they knew. Yet Jazz, Lazarus, was, Lazarus was risen from the, from the grave. And then guess what? You think they said, okay, we'll give up now. No, they said, even though they knew that Lazarus was risen from the grave, though they knew that a miracle beyond all miracles was performed by Jesus, they said, nope. So point number one, we see a reminder of God's power. But number two, I want to see in chapter 11, at the, at the tail end of chapter 11, we see a reprimand of man's power, of man's power. And this goes into the, the we're going to look into the minds of the Pharisees here. It's very interesting. First thing, they, they, they kind of understand their own weakness, in verse, uh, chapter 11, verses 45 through 48, they're starting to understand. After they see Lazarus come up from the grave, look at what happens. Verse 45, then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. That was the right response. You see someone get res resurrected from the grave by Jesus, it's time to believe, right? But some of them, in verse 46, went their ways, which were the wrong ways, not God's ways, to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, what do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. 
Self-preservation, the Pharisees said. He said, this guy has performed many miracles. Because this wasn't the first one that they had heard of. They just realized that this one, this one takes the cake here. We've heard him here healing the blind, healing the lame, you know, doing this other stuff. But they knew that Lazarus was dead for four days. And they saw him come up from with grave clothes, get unwrapped. And they said, this, he's done many miracles. This is going to be trouble for us. And instead of saying, this, this miracle, this truth is real. Let's embrace it. Let's believe it. Let's, let's figure out what this is. They said, no. They rejected it. So they realized their own weakness. They said, man, what, what do we do here? They said, what do we? <laughs> what do we do with this one? What do we do with this? We can't, we can't explain this one away. They realized their own weakness, but their pride led, to them, led them to reject. They said, because of what we have, because of the power that we have, because of our nationality, because of, our, because of who we are as Jews here and what we believe and what we're stuck on, we are not going to embrace this. And too many times I've seen that same thing in family members and friends and strangers presenting the gospel, you present a truth that cannot be denied, but pride will lead them to reject. They'll, someone will tell you to their face, man, that, that sounds true. I, I can't argue with it. They'll say, I, I can't do anything with it, just like the Pharisees. What do we? But pride will lead us and will lead, lead others to still reject the truth that's right in front of their eyes. Because sin grips us. The sin of pride will not let us go. We don't want to lose that power. We want to maintain our own life and maintain our own um, thoughts of grandeur about ourselves and our nation and our people. And we like to cling to that. And when their power was threatened, they turned to straight evil. They said, okay, now that we've rejected him, we have to kill him. We have to kill Jesus now. We, we can't allow this to go on anymore. And they were already out to get him and to trip him up with questions and words and trying to smear his reputation. But now they knew that they could, they could no longer go on. They, know, they knew that it wasn't going to be enough just to trip up his reputation. They say he resurrected Lazarus from the grave. There's, there's nothing else we can do to try to just trip him up in words and questions and reputation. He has to go. He has to go now. And that was their mission. We see here in verse, um, we'll look look at verse 49 through 53. And one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, ye know nothing at all. And that's the reprimand. So we know so little. The Pharisees knew so little. The disciples knew so little by their own admission. Nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. They said there's something more important than this man, Jesus, who resurrected someone from the grave, who performed all these many miracles. And it's our national pride. So if he'll die, then our nation can still exist. So corrupt, right? Instead of saying, as a nation, let's embrace this power. They said, no, we want our nation. We want our nation. We want Israel. It was that pride. 
And then they came after Jesus and they, they, they look in verse number um, in 55 through 57 is when they start to really put a bounty out for him, essentially. It says, and the Jews Passover in 55 was nigh at hand and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. The Passover was coming. This is a, this is a time where all the Jews were going to come to Jerusalem and they knew that. Then sought they for Jesus and spake among, them, uh, spake among themselves as they stood in the temple. What think ye that he will not come to the feast? They knew that he would come to the feast. Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a commandment that if any man knew where he were, he should show it that they might take him. And it provides context to that to that that portion of scripture that comes right after this, talking about Judas, a reminder of Judas and his character as a thief and a reminder that he was the one that was going to betray him. This was the bounty, and I'm sure Judas knew about that bounty. If anybody knows where he is, come tell us and we'll take him. Judas knew that. And that reminder is there in, chapter, in the beginning of chapter 12. But I want to look at uh, chapter 12, verses 9 through 11. Because it reminds us where the Pharisees were at and what they were thinking. It says in verse 9, Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. They wanted to see Lazarus. I mean, I would have been like, where's Lazarus? I want to see Lazarus too. Right? Jesus is here. Is Lazarus here too? Because Jesus rose him from the grave. I want to see him. That would have been an amazing thing. What a testimony it would be for people to say, man, I want to, I want to see, I want to see somebody. I want to see, I want to see someone that's willing to witness, to be a witness and a testimony of God's power. Man, I pray that that would be me. But the chief priest consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. Because they knew if they were coming after Jesus, they, they needed to come after Lazarus as well. Because Lazarus was, was too much of a testimony. They got rid of Jesus, but Lazarus was still here to tell about Jesus. That's not going to be good either. Because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away. Away from what they were trying to do. Away from their self-preservation of the nation of Israel. Away from the wickedness of the Pharisees and toward and believed on Jesus. They were going the right way. And they didn't like that. The Pharisees said, no. Our power is being threatened. The people that were coming to us are now going to go to Jesus. They're going to go to Lazarus. They're going to go to these disciples that are preaching this other truth. They're not going to come to us. And it was so wicked and so evil. But I fear that too many times I know I go astray. And I think if we were honest, we would say the same thing. We have a lot of self-preservation in ourselves as well. There's a lot of pride within ourselves. But recognizing the power of God when it smacks us in the face, when it's undeniable, when you read the truth of God's word, it's going to get you every time, if you're reading it. And to say, wow, that is the truth. And I'm going to believe it and I'm going to follow the word of God, right? And I'm going to accept and believe on, on the truth of God's word instead of trying to save some 
nation of myself, some reputation, some sin, some, some, something about myself, right? You say, no, I'm going to accept and I'm going to believe what Jesus did on the cross. I'm going to accept the power of the truth of God's word. And just go with that. <laughs> it's undeniable. But then we also see that despite man's power and man's uh, thinking and trying to trap Jesus up, I love this, this verse towards the, towards the end of this part of the scripture. Um, verse number 12, really 12 through 19. And this is Palm Sunday. This is the triumphal entry. Despite the bounty out, despite all this happens, Jesus shows up on the donkey and he's getting the palm branches, palm, the palm branches laid down. He's getting the praises. He's getting the hosannas. And that just had to be it for the Pharisees, right? They were trying to get him. They put this bounty out. They found out that Lazarus was here. They're having dinner. This testimony that is undeniable. And then here's all the people praising him and welcoming him in. It had to just cut them cut them to their very soul because that was it. Everything that they hoped for in verse 19, it really sums it up. Verse 19, it says, the Pharisees therefore said among themselves, perceive ye how ye prevail nothing. They didn't get him. Behold, the world is gone after him. They missed it. They missed their opportunity. We didn't prevail. We weren't able to cut him out. He got through. He got into Jerusalem before we could find him, before someone told on him. And we weren't able to take him away before these praises rang out. And, he, and Jesus himself said, if you, if you quiet all these people, the rocks themselves will cry out. He was going to be praised that day. But I, I just love that, that reprimand there of, of their thinking. Because they come to themselves and they say, we prevailed nothing. We failed. Now, obviously, they go on and they, get, and they get Judas and through God's own plan, right? It was God's plan that was going to lead him to Calvary. It wasn't going to be the Pharisees' plan. And God's plan said it was going to be through this betrayal of Judas. And that eventually led to the Pharisees thinking they, thinking they won, right? But obviously we know that man's power did not prevail over God. Not at the triumphal entry, not even at his death. Because the Bible also tells us that in his death, he was making a mockery of everybody that was coming against him openly. Because he knew that while he was dying, he was winning. And that leads me to the last point. The rule of God's power. Because right after this, some, some Greeks Come and Jesus responds to them and he gives us some truth and he gives us the rule of God's power. And he gives it to us in three verses, essentially saying the same thing with three different flavors. And in chapter 12, verse 24, he says to these Greeks, look at verse 23 first. Uh, and Jesus answered them, these Greeks that come to him and, and they're wondering what's going on. The hour is come that the son of man should be glorified. And they're thinking, is this, is this the time when the hosannas and the praises are coming out? But that's not what he says. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. 
but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. The rule of God's power, the first one is that abundant life requires death. Except we fall into the ground and die, we bear no fruit in this world. It was true for Jesus, and it's true for us. That is the essence of God's power. We must die to ourselves in order to live spiritually. We can't have it both ways. Abundant life requires death to self, and it bringeth forth much fruit. Verse 25, a similar concept is brought out here. He says, he that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. The rule of God's power is that life on earth is not all there is. And we have to give it up in order to receive the eternal life. To get God's power, to get the real power, we have to die to our own power, to our own plans and to our own thoughts and to our own will. It, it doesn't jive. It doesn't, it doesn't mix. It doesn't, God, God's will and God's power does not preclude our own self. It says, nope, you got to give it up. You have to hate your life to gain the eternal life. You have to set your affections on the things above, not on the things on the earth. Over and over again, Bible truth says the same thing. If you want God's power, you have to walk in the spirit because it's the spirit's power. If you walk in the flesh, you're going to fulfill the lusts of the flesh and you're going to have no power. You're not going to prevail. You're going to fail. But with God, we deny ourselves and we follow after Jesus, just like verse 26 says. Verse 26 says, if any man serve me, he makes it clear. Before, these are just kind of phrases, you know, corn of wheat falls into the ground, bringing forth fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. But in this last one, in verse 26, he makes it very clear. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. That last rule is that Jesus is the only way to God's power. Jesus alone. He said, if you want to be a part of this, you got to serve me. And to serve me means you got to follow me. And if you follow me and you serve me, then you're going to be where I'm at. <laughs> it makes perfect sense, right? But sometimes it's hard, right? It's hard to follow. It's hard to follow sometimes. But it's always a blessing, at least from my personal testimony. Every time I followed Jesus, it's been the right decision. Because I've been where he was, and that was the right spot for me to be. And as we serve him, and as we follow him, you will see that as well, that it's always the right place to be, where Jesus is. And he knew that where he was going was the place that everybody else would want to go, and that was with God, the Father. He said, if you follow me, you serve me, you'll be where I'm at. And he said, that's going to be the place where the Father will honor you, because he's going to honor me. And what, what other place would you want to be? 
than that the God of the universe is honoring you through his son, Jesus, that died for all of us. We'll wrap it up here. I do want to look at verse 32 here because he kind of, he again, he's pushing, this whole scripture is pushing towards, the, towards his death. And it's pushing towards the eventual resurrection. Verse 20, 32, he says, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. The people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. All right? So they're, they're remembering what the law says. They're remembering this prophecy. Isn't the, isn't the Messiah supposed to be forever? Why, how are you going to die? <laughs> they must have forgot that he just raised Lazarus up from the dead. But they're saying, we, think, we thought that Christ was going to abide forever. Picking up in the, in the middle of 34. And how sayest thou, the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? Then Jesus said unto them, yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light. Lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. That's the final condemnation of God's, of our own thoughts and our own worldly wisdom. So as we, as we kind of wrap this up, we, we must remember and we must be that living testimony like Lazarus was. And we should be praying that God would really give us opportunities to share. Because not everybody knows our testimony like Lazarus, right? People knew, knew the testimony of Lazarus. It was a small community. They knew that Lazarus had died. They knew the family. People were mourning. And that thing spread like wildfire. But maybe one of your neighbors, maybe one of your coworkers, maybe, maybe they don't know your testimony. But we can share that and we can be a, a witness and a testimony to God's power in our life. Not only that, but as Christians, we also have to protect ourselves from that, from that mindset of the Pharisees, right? We need to have the mind of Christ, that, hum, that humble mind of Christ, but if we have the mind of the Pharisees and of ourselves, instead of just blaming the Pharisees, we have the mind of our own selves, right? It's a mind that wants to preserve itself. It's a mind that doesn't want to cast itself into the ground so that it will die. It doesn't want to do that. It doesn't want to give up its own life so that we can serve others or serve the Lord. It wants to serve ourselves. But as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit inside us to empower us if we yield. So let's yield to the Spirit and yield to God's power so that we can be a living testimony to the world, to your neighbors, to your friends, to everybody. And then let us be a testimony and let us be a, a light to those that are hurting, to those that have rejected God, to those that, man, they, they, they may know about the truth, but they've been, they've been kind of outcast or they've, they've been hurt by the world or they've been hurt by Christians or they've been hurt by whatever it is and they don't want to let go of that, let us be a light and a testimony to help those people. That God's 
that God's spirit, that God's um, power would be working through us to be a light to those people. Because there's many of those people. There's many of those people that we'll come in contact with out in the streets, in the, in the bus ministry, everywhere you go, where they just need someone like us to be real, to show the power of God, to not be trying to present some nation of Israel, some nation of ourselves, some, some facade of, of, of religion, some facade of Christianity and not the real Christ that loves, that cares, that will have them sit at your table with them, that will cry with them, that will weep for them when they're in trouble. That was the love of Jesus. He really cared about Lazarus. It wasn't fake. It was not fake at all. It was real love. And I believe if we share that real love towards people, willing to weep for them, willing to care for them, willing to touch them, and willing to call them out of wherever they're at and be honest, I believe that lives will be changed and God will work through that. A resurrection prelude, Resurrection Sunday is coming up. Let's live a life of resurrection through the resurrection and the life, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Father, I pray that you would help us all to live the life that you've called us to, a life that is truly hid in Christ. Father, help us to just understand your love more and more. Help us to understand your mind and your heart for people. Help us to understand the humility that, that, that only you can grant us. Father, help us to be yielded to your spirit and its power, that we might have access to it, that we might be able to share and love people like only you can love. Father, I pray that you would help us to be a witness to people and present the gospel to people so that they can understand where, they're, where, the, where they may be and that Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, the resurrection, and the life. Father, again, I pray that you would help us all to live that life that is hid in Christ and that is a resurrected life, a living testimony to all around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.